You're listening to This Week in E-Commerce, Episode 11, Progressive Web Apps and What They Mean for E-Commerce, recorded on 19th January 2017. So today I'm here with Alex and one of our friends and well-known colleagues, Pascal. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. So, I mean, most of our listeners know Alex and me, I guess, but Pascal, what about you? So tell us a little bit about you so our listeners know what's, uh, why you're here and, and what you contribute here. Okay, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Pascal. I'm a uh, front-end engineer and, and trainer. Um, specifically, I'm doing a lot of Angular stuff and front-end development. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm here today to talk about progressive web apps, and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, progressive web apps. Uh, some of you may remember, I guess it was episode, ooh, I don't know, three or four, somewhere last year. Alex and I um, actually took a little look at it and, and talked about it briefly. Um, but the whole topic developed much further by now. And um, we thought it's, it's worth taking a deeper look into, into what progressive web apps are and, and actually what they mean for e-commerce and why you, if you're in e-commerce, should care about progressive web apps. So... Alex, what is a progressive web app? Yeah, maybe as a starting point, it's good to cover just the basics a little bit. Um, so um, I very much enjoyed actually um, the keynote. I watched it yesterday um, from uh, last summer's progressive web app Dev Summit in Amsterdam. And uh, this was an event where basically there were a lot of good talks, and I'm sure we're going to link it in the notes. Um, and in the keynote, they basically describe pretty well what, uh, what the idea is behind this. Because everybody knows that kind of the web is probably the best distribution model for software. So we, we use it um, all the time. And um, I think many of us remember that we used to have like those powerful applications running on our computers locally. Um, a good example is maybe Maps, but nowadays almost everybody on desktop uses um, Google Maps, for example, on the browser. So I don't know anybody who doesn't use it on the browser and is, isn't satisfied with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but on the other hand, if you ask people on the, on the mobile phone, on the smartphones, how do you use apps there, almost everybody uses this as a native app. And um, so you might wondering, okay, why is, why is it like that? And um, this pretty much is a good entry point because it summarizes that um, we we today uh, with the with the uh, with the web on the uh, on our desktop computers are so powerful that we can basically have all of our applications on the web, including email. So most of us use Gmail or other web apps that basically power a good experience. But on mobile, we are not there yet, and this is um, this is for multiple reasons. But one of them basically is that obviously the connections are not as great that great yet. It can mm -hmm. take up to like two seconds to to get a um, to get kind of an answer. And for the web experience, it's obviously it's it's much worse compared to a native experience. And um, yeah, this is why I think people were thinking about how to improve the experience on the web. And um, I think uh, the three of us we do have a kind of common history <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to to working together in a, um, in our startup Couch Commerce. Uh, 2013 to 2014, I think we worked together, all the three of us. And um, I don't know, so maybe Pascal, do you want to dive a little bit into a kind of where we've, where we've been a few years from now versus where we are today? So that would be interesting from your, from your point of view. Sure, sure. So, um, I mean, back in the days at CouchCommerce, we tried to build this um, web, um, you know, kind of web platform for mobile web shops so that, you know, um, shop, um, shops can basically get a mobile shop experience without actually 
doing anything for it except for like having their shop system, but we would then provide a uh, single page application front end that can um, run on ideally every uh, like smartphone um, and, and the browser. And we um, already tried to like cover um, uh, and uh, like you know problems like offline support and you know how to make it fast and and it was like you know like three three years ago or something or two years ago and um, it was quite a big thing when you were able to actually go to website on your on your smartphone and then you know um, make a different request like you know you're in a mobile shop and then you you click on a product and then the the product shows up and then you click on the details and then you click you get the details and without actually performing a like an entire page reload so. Um, that was already, um, I think, an interesting experience for the for the end users because they were they were not really used to that kind of single page application feeling um, because it's it's fast by default kind of, um, or it should be if if you do it right. And so, however, like one of the problems we had um, too was that, for example, offline support is something that that was not very easy to to achieve because. Um, there were no actual APIs that allowed us to do that. Like you, you could do things like, um, you know, using IndexedDB or something like that to kind of get somewhere with some sort of offline support. But now with um, progressive web apps or specifically um, Service Worker, which are part of the progressive web app umbrella, um, you're actually able to um, load and cache assets and, and pretty much everything you want because you are in control of that. Um, which then ensures that your um, web app, uh, the next time the user visits it, it's actually it's loaded instantly. Like you, you, can, you can control that, um, and that's that's pretty cool. Um, so it, it goes way beyond just having a single page application that is loaded into the client once, and then you can navigate from there. It's also that the next time the user uh, you know comes to your web page or your web app, um, the web or the, the the website or the web app should be should be loaded instantly. That's that's kind of what you can achieve with that. And I think, um, yeah, we, we kind of needed all these these APIs um, back in the days, and now now we can actually do it. So I think it's it's very cool to to have this now because uh, yeah, web applications can be more more sophisticated and, and feel more na natively um, in, in the web mm -hmm. um, when when you when you really take advantage of of these APIs. Yeah, so this comes back to the point with reliable connections, right? So because people realized we can't really make sure we always have a reliable connection, so we need to build something which then basically locally on the phone um, gives us the response we want when we interact with the application, right? So yeah. that would be yeah. this, you, you mentioned service workers, which are basically like, a, you know, with my words, like a local cache of information that is then immediately... Yeah, yeah sort of. Actually, yeah. It, goes, it goes way beyond that. It's like, so on, on one side, it kind of um, solves the problem of... of um, Making your website offline available so that it's, it loads instantly, that's like one thing um, which makes the web app more reliable. Um, but also it um, kind of solves things like, um, you know, imagine you're writing an email and your connection is, is very bad right now and you, you click send and your application should be able to kind of take your message that you want to send and then actually send it over the wire as soon as you have connection again. Like even though right now you're kind of offline, your application will keep your message and send it out um, as soon as it has connection. And service workers do that as well. So it's not only just caching assets and, and cast, uh, um, caching um, like, you know, whatever you want to make offline available, it also um, allows your web application to kind of um, interact with you even 
even when you're not actively using your, your website. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have things like, you know, push notifications and stuff that come into play as well. Okay, yeah. yeah because this is, I think it's not only having no connection, which is obviously upsetting, especially in e-commerce context, when you kind of, you know, get, a, um, get an error message for, for, but it's also slow connection, right? And mm -hmm. this was something where I was impressed by, by, by seeing that. So even if you are connected even to a wireless connection or through your 4, 4G network or 3G network or 2G network, <laughs> it might be that it's too slow and then uh, the web apps or progressive web apps um, kind of understand it's too slow so I should rely up on the cache um, I think they call it offline first or something, this approach. If I'm, you know, yeah. it might be a buzzword, but this was yeah. what they were saying at the conferences. At right, least. so off offline first is mm -hmm. basically this, mm -hmm. this um, yeah, it's, it's this kind of thinking and, and approach of whenever you build a web application, it should work offline. It, it should mm -hmm. be like a first, like first class citizen. It's not like an afterthought, but it should be built right into the app. Like same as with accessibility, right? You want that your web application is usable by people who, I don't know, can't see or whatever. So that, that's something that's, that's pretty important. If you want to um, kind of fulfill the progressive web app requirements, and, and there are a lot, and, and in fact there's a nice checklist um, on a website uh, for progressive web apps that we can put in, into the notes, mm -hmm. where you can see like, uh, like all, all the things that are kind of needed to make your web app an actual uh, progressive web app. Yeah, that's, a, that's from Google developers. We will definitely link this. <laughs> Come to this. Right. But you guys, actually, you, you pointed out two points um, of a short list of what belongs to progressive web apps. So uh, because there are some, some design fundamentals, let's say, um, who, who go into there. The service worker is, is one, and I guess we could we come back to this in, in a moment because it's a very interesting part. And I, I still remember that um, back in the couch days, I, I guess it was you, you even, Pascal, uh, you shared a video before, from a guy who, 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 in a conference, was first guy to speak about uh, service workers, and everybody was like, "Woo, what is this concept about?" And nobody really got the idea behind it. And, and now it's, it's really, really hard pushed forward. Um, but what you actually just talked about now, this, this, this offline first, goes back to a. It, it's not so much a technical principle, but more a design thingy. This is what's called the app shell. You, you will find this when you, when you look for app shell actually on the web. So um, as far as I got it, the, the app shell is actually like the outer framework of the, the app uh, without the contents, let's say. And, and what you actually aim for, and, and this is where you, where you get a lot of these, um, these advantages of a progressive web app, is actually that you aim for having the app shell available offline all the time, and uh, due to the fact that the app shell doesn't contain uh, the contents itself, but more the navigational structure and, and the basic page structure, etc., um, it, it doesn't even matter if it's offline or online. So you aim for getting it fast, which you, which you do offline better, right? And, uh, and then the next step you, you try, and this is where the service worker kicks in, uh, you try to connect and, and get the contents, and even if you're not able to get the contents because of flaky network or whatever, you try to at least get the latest content you got from the session before when it when it's cached away, right? So um, in the immediate moment you have connection back, the service worker will then just pull the new content in. So meaning for you um, as as an end user, it just feels like very very nice because yeah. you know you don't have this thing like 
I, I load a web page, nothing happens. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, um, actually, I, I, I want to, to point out one thing here because uh, Alex talked about, you know, <clears throat> flaky networks and, and, and getting content already a bit. Um, but what's what's interesting here is within e-commerce, if you think about e-commerce now a little bit more and not, not the usual web pages, also with native apps, you always have kind of this problem that if you have a native app, you always load stuff in the background, nearly in every app I know, because what you do is you have to load new new uh, content from, um, from the server, right? Because you have new products, you have new prices, you have new promotions, whatever. So even, uh, even in e-commerce, it's not really true that native apps are better because they work offline kind of thing, right? So this is something that people forget a lot of times. I, I was yeah, when just you thinking talk about, this. about the classic catalog, you mean? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So mm. classic shopping apps. So mm. I mean, you cannot shop without connection anyway. But mm. uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense if you have wrong prices and wrong catalog in, in inside the app. So most yeah. apps I know they when loading they just pull a lot of catalog data first. Yeah, I guess right. that is also where the where the interesting discussion towards e-commerce and uh, apps for for e-commerce brands and retailers comes to right because. The question really is, uh, what are the advantages of a native app then? Um, so there are like these kind of three missing parts from web versus native. And uh, one we talked about, that's the reliable performance. Okay, mm -hmm. so it seems that technology is enhancing um, so that we can get better performance now also from the mobile web. Then we have these uh, push notifications, which are obviously a big part of kind of getting back and engaging users and uh, notifying them if something is happening. And the third thing is more like the home screen icon uh, metadata and basically that you really have a kind of app experience or like an application experience when it's on, on your phone. Yeah. And um, I think these are also the three things that are the progressive web apps are uh, targeting to solve for, for the user. Um, maybe we can dive into the, the later two ones in a second. But um, also from how to look at it, I found the, the, the statistics quite interesting because um, people say like we spend about 80% of our time in three apps in average, or on average, on, in the US at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> which I also enjoyed a um, statistic is like uh, if you look at mobile users in the US, on average they visit about 100 mobile websites per month. Mm -hmm. but download zero apps. <laughs> so that means like, you know, but, but it makes sense, right? So because yeah. you, you have like a certain number of apps you use and you come back to, and the app, uh, the web has like this superpower called links, which is basically like, you know, you can explore, you can access everything. And it's just a more advanced distribution model, as I said in the end, in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. So it seems, I don't know how you think about that, but, um, listening to those talks it seems like the you know the web is just superior and it must you know at some point we wouldn't care about it and it's being accessible just similar to how we are used to it now on the desktop so um maybe maybe concerning that so what would be um pascal what would you think is this is something where you would see it's a clear thing uh, web will be superior um, or do you think like native applications um uh, are, are important and they will become easier to access, for example, and then that approach would be better. I think, I think that's something, um, I, I wouldn't really say uh, which one I think would win in that sense. I mean, I for one, I would, of course, I, I like the web, so, so I want the web <laughs> to win, that, that's for sure. Um, but I don't really want to see this as a kind of like fight, like what, what is better. I think we should just try to, um, you know, create the best 
you know, possible things we can do. And, and it just happens that in the web, things are moving forward very, very fast. So um, speaking of like, um, you know, responsive websites, responsive web apps, like that's something that started, I don't know, um, like, like five or six years ago, uh, let's say like four or five years ago, I think respon responsive websites was like a thing. And, and nobody really knew what it was and, 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 and how to deal with it. And now if you, if you go on a website with your smartphone, it's actually, it's, it's rather unexpected if you, when you visit a website and, and it's, not, it's not actually optimized for a mobile screen. Um, so you already, like all the end users already expect a website to work on, on a mobile device, like at least like um, from a UI point of view. And so I think um, as, as all the technologies in the web um, evolve, uh, and and the, the more people actually using these technologies and embracing them, um, and more and more end users over time will also take these these features for granted. Like right now, probably not many people actually visit a website on, on their smartphone and then add it to their home screen, for example, which you can do, right? You, you like go to the browser, you you visit like I don't know Facebook.com or whatever, and then you can actually uh, go on your uh, tab settings. And at that website, that, that particular link that you're on right now, you can add it to your home screen so that the next time you want to visit it, you can just touch this icon on your, on your smartphone, just like, in, like a native app, um, and it will basically load the website um, that, that this icon links to. Um, that's something that probably not many people do right now because, um, first, first of all, they're probably not aware of the fact that this works, and also because not many websites and web apps actually um, engage or... Uh, encourage the, u the the user to actually do it, um, mm -hmm. and there there are ways to, to do that. And I think the more the more developers um, are aware of this and, and actually um, uh, you know realize these things and actually build web apps that take advantage of these features, the more users will use these features, and and the more these features will get um, like you know it's like a thing that is kind of required. Like people will only use. Um, at some point, websites that that are you know, um, you know that that you can add to your home screen that work offline first and something. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's really more a matter of 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 time um, that we that we get there. I can I can totally um, imagine that in like two or three years, um, maybe four years, what we call web, progressive web apps right now is gonna be the kind of the status quo of what a web app. Um, is going to be in the future. And, and then I think more and more people will use web apps as their um, primary yeah, applications to, to, to work with instead of going to the, to the app store all the time and trying to install something and then getting updates from there. It's, you know, there's this process required with native apps that you just don't have with web apps because you can just go to the browser. You don't even have to install anything. It doesn't take any time. Um, and yeah, I think... I mean, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's something where native apps will like kind of lose at some point, but I, I, definitely, I definitely see web apps to become more um, interesting and, and, and more, uh, yeah, more, more spread um, for the end user at some point. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, getting there, um, maybe I think what comes to my mind now, and we should discuss in a moment, is obviously if the browsers are adopting the technology, because mm-hmm. obviously to be able to deliver the experience, the browsers must support it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe before we dive into that, so we talked about mm-hmm. the reliable performance. So how about the push notifications? So how is this solved or triggered by progressive web apps? Um, um, Pascal, maybe you again would be the best person with the most knowledge about that. So how can that work if you only have a website? How can the website send you push notification if you're not on that website at that very moment? Right. So, so as, as, many, as many cool features and progressive web apps, um, um, this feature also kind of relies on, on service workers. So you, you, you can't implement push notifications for a web app if you don't have service workers. Uh, because after all, what, what, what happens is that um, you, you, you create a service worker, you register a service worker for a web app, which is basically just another JavaScript that just um, is kind of separated from your, from your website. So um, it's kind of an isolated thing that is executed. And, and, and then you use the, um, the service worker APIs um, to um, perform push notifications. So after all, these are actually two different APIs. So you have service workers, and then you have a push notification API. Um, but you, you need basically the, you need the service worker um, in order to you know, create push notifications that actually make sense. Because for example, you want to do it when, I don't know, when there's a, uh, let's say you, you have your e-commerce shop, and then there's a, uh, uh, for a certain product, there's all of a sudden a special discount. And you want to you wanna notify all of your users, hey, look, this particular, pair of shoes is now, um, you know, t- there's a disc- discount of 20% or something. Um, so that's something where the user is actually not on your website right now. The user gets notified and, and so you need a web worker, uh, sorry, a service worker to, um, yeah, to, to, to take advantage of this um, background uh, execution th- that it is capable of so you can actually create a push notification. Okay, so I would kind of allow the the browser or the web app, progressive web app, um, to uh, to talk to me, and it's a little bit like the dialogue we know from native app, right? So the native apps, the apps when I install an app, it's asking me, you know, may I send you push notification, yes or no? And this is kind of the same dialogue you w- you have to go through uh, with the progressive web app. Uh, is that correct? I'm actually not sure if there's going to be such a thing, uh, if, if the application will ask you to mm. allow push notifications. Probably. Yeah, it actually makes sense. That's what you want. At least that's what happens on the desktop. And mm. I think then it's going to be the same on the smartphone. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would say yes. Yeah. That's a good point you mentioned it because, um, yeah, I've also seen it um, already on, on the desktop, on the web, that um, uh, news websites, for example, ask me, may we send you push right. notifications? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, exactly that. Yeah. Okay, it's the same technology, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the third part, we didn't talk about it yet, like how it works, you mentioned it. So obviously, the um, adding to the home screen or having kind mm-hmm. of an icon on, on the, on the uh, home screen is uh, very important, especially for brands in e-commerce. Um, so like being reminded of the brand and then revisiting him, um, engaging with the brand afterwards. Um, so how does that work? So I've, I've picked up that there's some metadata you need to add. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, obviously, the, the, the progressive web app can ask, uh, yeah, do you like to add me to the home screen? But what's, what's behind that uh, from a technical point of view? Hmm? Well, that's actually, this is one of the things that you can actually do since many years already. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not really a new thing. It's really, um, as you said, um, all you have to do is you add some metadata to your website. Um, and the metadata um, has information about 
um, for example, the icon that's going to be shown when you add it to the home screen. So it's basically just an image that you refer to. Um, and, and, and that's, I think that's actually it. And then you just go ahead and uh, you can just go to your website and, uh, you know, click add to home screen, which will then um, take this image that you, that you kind of refer to in your metadata and, and that's going to be added to the, to the home screen of your smartphone. And there, there's not so much really you need to do. Um, and then you as a user, you, you can also decide what you want to call this particular um, like link, this, this, this thing that you add to your home screen, right? So you can call it, you can give it the name of the website that you've been to, or maybe you give it a specific name because it's maybe it's actually a link to a certain product or whatever. Um, so you as an end user, you, you're, you're in control of that. Um, but other than that, it's actually, it's pretty straightforward. And then what you can also control is if you, uh, when your website or your web app is added to your home screen, um, you can control as an author of, of that web application if when the user opens that website again using that icon on, on, on the home screen, if the website is loaded with or without the, the, the Chrome of the browser. So, you know. The browser frame. Right. Hmm. So if, if you see an address bar or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, basically you can turn that off and then what happens is you open the uh, application, you don't have any like browser um, UI there anymore. So it really feels like something that's actually native because the, the, all of a sudden the web application takes the whole screen. And what you can also do, you can actually configure a splash screen. So if your mm -hmm. application takes a little to, to load, you can show a splash uh, screen, which is pretty much what you have in native apps, apps as well, right? So you mm -hmm. click on application, you first see a screen of, of mm. whatever with an icon or something until the application is actually ready to be used. And you can do exactly the same with with uh, that as well. And that, yeah, is, is part of being a uh, progressive web app. So like immersive full screen experience, like you have, as yes. if you would push an icon on the home screen where there's an actual native app behind it. Exactly. And, and what happens, like, let's say I'm, I do that, I add the, this icon to my home screen, mm -hmm. and then I come back um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm on a plane or, or whatever, or on a train, <laughs> I don't have internet right, right now. So what happens when I push that icon? Because typically it's, it's web, right? So, yeah. so what happens then? <laughs> well, so I, ideally you, 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 you took advantage of service workers and, and made sure that the first time the user actually, actually comes to your website, even before the user adds your website to the home screen, that the service worker has already loaded all the needed assets so, so that the first screen for the next visit is, is ready to be loaded. So the service worker is kind of part of the website if you want to. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and uh, kind of loads in the background without yeah. asking me if it's allowed to install, let's call it like that, right? Because it just saves somewhere on yeah, the phone. Yeah, right. So it, it's only allowed to basically um, save assets from, from the, the same, like kind of the same origin. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, the same host from, from, where, from where the website comes. And also um, it requires HTTPS. So there's mm -hmm. no um, like way you can get like mail data from somewhere else. So if your website is not served with HTTPS, you can't even use a service worker. So um, yeah, so it would be basically like that. You, you go to the website, um, the website registers a service worker. It will ideally already start loading assets um, so they're um, safe for offline use. If, if there's already stuff in the cache, then it probably takes the data from there or maybe it, it wants to do an update of, the, of these assets. Um, and then the same rules apply. Like if your, if your application is added to the home screen or not, it doesn't really matter. Because for the website point of view, there's a user coming to your website, we want to serve 
all, all the data that is already there. It doesn't matter if you come from a home screen or not. So from so, the um, e-commerce use case, this could be, um, let's say that's my, my online store, my, my mobile shop. Mm -hmm. um, so that means I'm offline, I tap the icon, the shop pops up, I mm -hmm. can probably browse within the, the shop, right? Mm -hmm. And I also have things like maybe wish list or shopping cart, uh, yeah. that is working. That, that totally depends on how the application is implemented, mm -hmm. on what is made available um, to, to your application. So that, that really depends on, on how, how it's built. It, it could be like that. It could also be that maybe only images are cached yeah. so that um, you don't have to wait for loading images, but, but maybe the actual um, whatever new product data is not there yet or something. Okay. So that really depends on, on how it's implemented. I think that's something that um, developers should really um, test and try out from a from usability point of view. So you, you might want to try out different variations of what is actually um, like, you know, uh, uh, cached in, in, in your offline storage um, and then, you know, see how it, how it feels yeah. when you, when you uh, use a website again. Yeah, as Kai said, especially when it comes to e-commerce, we need kind of to have the latest pricing. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of callbacks yeah. that we need, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to a closing a transaction. Right. So obviously you need internet connection for that, but it's also the same with a native app, right? So yeah. Yeah, also yeah, a native right, app right. can't can't accept yeah. an order without being able to, uh, to access the internet. And, and that's, that's probably, probably what you would do with a service worker when, when it's registered, when it's installed. Yeah. You, you first want to check, okay, is there new data that I, that I need mm -hmm. to fetch? And mm -hmm. if so, then I'm going to do that. If not, I can just use the latest one. If I don't have a connection, I just use the latest one as well. Mm -hmm. And then maybe notify the user, hey, the, the data right here might be out of date, um, but the next time you're connected, you get the latest prices or whatever. Okay. So you, you can implement all that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. from a design point of view, that, that, that would make sense actually. And that's coming back to the to the app shell again, that you design like, you know, the typical features you, you always have, like the wish list, as you said, or maybe your order history or stuff like this. So where people, you know, come, come back to frequently when they are with a merchant kind of. Uh, that, you, that you cache this thing away, right? So you have this immediately uh, available without connection. And I mean, catalog data depends very much upon, on, on, the, on the brand and, and the retailer, right? I mean, if you have a huge yeah. catalog, it, it will be quite impossible to cache all this stuff. But uh, yeah, you, you, can, you can solve this intelligent uh, metrics, I, I guess, uh, on, on what to cache for this user, et cetera. So the, the world is wide open here and, and the user experience is, is quite superior, I would say. Um, Pointing that out, um, everything we, we've talked until now, uh, we, will, we will go on in a minute, um, you can try out actually, and we will link, there's a very good tutorial uh, in the Google Developers section, yeah, uh, it's, it's named Your First Progressive Web App, where you can actually really go step by step through all the stuff we, we've said, right? So App Shell, um, setting up a service worker, uh, writing this manifest, JSON, which is, um, which is um, um, responsible for putting a home screen icon, etc. And it explains very well um, how you use the Chrome developer tools for, you know, seeing all the steps and you can it's pretty mighty actually and this is a very very good tutorial and if you're interested in progressive web apps i just can say uh, try it out it takes you maybe an hour or something and and you you have a good idea of how this technically works um but coming back to to one thing we're talking about progressive web apps why they are named progressive what is progressive with progressive web apps <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually an interesting question. So I think it's kind of so I, I see progressive web apps like for me it means basically progressive enhancement on steroids. Where progressive enhan enhancement is that 
when you build an application, like a web application, um, you want to make sure that your website or your web app runs in every environment possible, like in every browser, if there's JavaScript or not, um, if there's like certain CSS features or not, you want to make sure that the end user gets the best experience possible in the environment that the user is in. Um, and so th that's what progressive enhancement is all about. And, and progressive web apps, the, the progressiveness is kind of, kind of in there as well. Like you want to make sure that um, you, you do take advantage of all, all the, the powerful new features that are available, but you can totally run into the scenario that in, in certain environments, these features are just not available. For example, um, like Chrome on, on the desktop and, and, and on Android. Um, are currently, I think, the only browsers that actually support service workers. Um, many people on, on iPhones have Safari, and, and Safari doesn't support it yet. I don't even know if it's planned um, uh, to, to... Yeah, there's a website I found, actually, and it says, Un under consideration, oh, okay. brief positive signals in five-year plan. So that's <laughs> something I Yeah, I we're, we're yeah. getting there. So, so you can see, you, you can actually totally run into this, into, into this scenario that you will still have users that, that will run in an environment that will not support the features you want to support. And in this case, you need to make sure that your application still works, at least with, with the best uh, experience possible. And in this case, it, I don't know, it probably means you, you might want to use things like uh, IndexedDB or something to, to um, use some sort of offline storage capabilities. Um, so the progressiveness is basically um, give the user um, like a certain, like the minimum um, experience that is needed to use your website or your web application, um, so it has to be usable, and then on top of that, you add features to enhance and, and to um, yeah, you make, make the experience better with you know, additional features that are maybe only available in certain, in certain environments. Okay, and um, this is probably coming back to, um, yeah, I mentioned browser earlier a little bit, because mm -hmm. this is something which I also found interesting. Um, if you compare it to native apps, obviously there we, we need to have a certain operating system version usually, right? So it's kind of uh, on iOS and you need iOS version something to be able to run your, uh, your native app. And it's maybe you can, uh, and on Android it's the same thing, it's very... Um, fragmented, um, so basically a lot of um, different versions out there. And this might, might be an issue when you develop a native app that it just might not run on all of the phones. Right, right. right. And then there's even differences between, uh, I don't know, like phone versus tablet. Right? Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, on the web, um, so yeah, we are talking about browsers then in this case. So meaning yeah. the browser needs to support the kind of, as you said, progressive web app functionality like service workers that we want to that we want to use. And um, I think that is also something to, to consider when when developing a project and especially in, in e-commerce, um, thinking about, okay, how much of this functionality is going to be available to my user base? And it's probably a good idea to look into the statistics first, because if I, if I run um, a website that is in, uh, in countries where, let's say, Android is very strong and people use Chrome browsers all the time, right. I, can, I can be pretty sure that um, I have a late, late browser version available. I can yep. probably take advantage of most of the functionality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, this is then maybe a different story from when I know 90% of my user base actually uses iPhones and they only use Safari browsers. Therefore, I know a certain functionality might not be available right. to you, right? Yeah, and, and the cool thing is, I mean, if, if you do it right, it actually shouldn't really matter because what you do is 
you, you build your web app that will run in, in, in whatever, in environment X, and what you do in your application is you check if a certain feature is available. If yes, you use it. If mm. not, you use something else. Yeah. So it's basically you just ship your application to your users, no matter uh, in, in which environment they are, and they get the they, they do get the best thing available in their environment anyways. That that's how it should be, right? Yeah. So it's not like you would say, okay, um, my like ninety ninety percent of my users are Safari users, so I'm I'm not going to use service workers, right? Mm -hmm. That's probably not what you want to do. You would rather rather say, okay, I know ninety percent of my users. Uses, uses Safari, so they don't have service workers. Well, so I do give them this particular experience. However, if there is service workers available, because there might be 10% of the users who use Chrome, um, then you can actually enable that feature, and it's it's in the same application. So it's always and by like, the time Safari supports it, it will immediately work, right? Yes, so, right. Mm. So that's the nice thing. Like mm. you can just and for other environments where it's still not available, your your application still works, right? Yeah. So there was a nice example from. Um, from AliExpress, so they actually developed a progressive web app for the e-commerce context for their shop, mm -hmm. and um, they said like um, they were able to get uh, twice as many page views, 74% um, increase in time spent, and they also published some uh, iOS numbers, and I think that is the important part because people might say, okay, uh, maybe mm -hmm. they improved the Android yeah. experience but not the iOS experience, but they were able to achieve 82% more conversion on iOS. So why is that? So why would the conversion rate be better uh, with a progressive web app versus you know a, a traditional website for for iOS? So what what kind of advantages do I have already when I have iOS and build a progressive web app? So, um, Well, I, I don't really think it's coupled to an, an operating system. I think it really just boils down to the fact that when you build a web application that is reliable, that is fast, and fast meaning that you know um, users mm -hmm. should be able to interact with the website in less than 10 seconds, and the, sh uh, the site should be loaded in ideally 300 milliseconds, if it takes longer than three seconds, then users will just go away, right? So mm -hmm. if, if you make sure that, that these things are, are in a good shape, then you know people will use your website, um, they will stay, they will reuse it again because they know it's fast, it's reliable. Um, and I think that just, yeah, adds, adds to the numbers then. Um, but mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, it, it doesn't. It, it's not really um, coupled to the to the operating system itself. Apart from the fact that you know, in some environments, you might not have things like service workers or something. Okay, but but, but you still have like more app-like experience. It's like a better, yeah. you know, user experience. It's faster. Yeah. More reliable. You also already get those advantages yeah. in uh, in the Safari browser on iOS. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. So the thing is that um, uh, it's it's not like there's this ten features and you have to implement all of them. Yeah, it's more like th there's this ten features, and you use all the ones that are available to you, and and there are just many many things that come into play that improve the overall experience. Um, so it's not only just service workers. It's not only that your application is always served in HTTPS. Mm. It's also um, I don't know, like like so, so many other things. Like when you take a look at the uh, at this checklist that, that that we will link to in the in the notes, um, you want to make sure that, for example. Um, Transitions of your pages are fast, and there are techniques that you can mm -hmm. use to make transitions fast um, on on your mobile um, device and, and these kind of things. So, and also uh, a lot of metadata stuff. Like there's this thing called um, 
uh, uh, schema.org. So it's basically a specification for metadata that you can add to your um, to, to your web application to your to your HTML, and it will basically add additional metadata to your specific HTML to your content, which then allows um, uh, search engines to um, get more specific information out of your out of your website, mm -hmm. which then allows the search uh, um, engine to, to give the user more specific info about what the user is searching for. For example, if you go to Google and you search for, I don't know, um, product X, then you might already get in your Google search, because Google tries to give you an answer in the search already nowadays, it will give you like boxes with um, products and, 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 and rates, rate information and yeah. reviews and that kind of stuff without actually you going to an actual website. It's part of the search, right? Yeah. And that's all metadata as part of your web application. You can do things like that as well and just take advantage of that because after all, it's a web application. It will make your application more um, accessible and reachable by many users uh, as that's, well. It's a very good point because I was also reading um, that the, and this is some, so somebody looked into the top 1,000 sites, so mm -hmm. mobile sites, versus the top 1,000 apps um, mm -hmm. <laughs> in June 2015. And um, it turned out that looking at monthly unique visitors, that uh, the web is being used 2.5 times more than the apps. And this is interesting because everybody's focusing on apps, uh, focusing on apps. Right. But um, it really means that uh, those numbers were, uh, just to read them out, um, on apps there were 3.3 million monthly unique visitors, and on mobile web, uh, 8.9 million uh, monthly unique visitors. Mm -hmm. So meaning everything you do for the web still affects obviously much more, was 2.5 more users yeah. than uh, the things on on native and. Um, I think that is also something that um, people should take into account. That Definitely. obviously you have a, a, a larger reach. Yeah. Um, you when you deploy something, you immediately reach everyone, right? So right. it's not like you go through app store approval processes or anything. Yeah. So it's just there for everyone. And you mentioned Google, so that is also and search engines or other sources of traffic. Um, where people spend money on. And um, there were also numbers on user acquisition costs. And I think especially oh, yeah. for on, on e-commerce, this is, right Kai? This yeah. is a big topic. So we're talking about like, how can we get the app into the hands, or a native app, into the hands of, of your brand customers? And mm -hmm. uh, brands tend to have to spend a lot of money for that. So uh, on average, uh, on Android, it's about like four euros you need to spend for uh, to acquire a user to download your app and then use it. Right. Versus mobile web, we're talking about 34 cents on average. So it's like a tenth of the costs. Yeah. Um, so when you have like lower costs to get them once, um, this is nice. But obviously, pe people, you know, they, they go away and they forget they visited. So I would still say, Obviously, an app user is more valuable because they would have an installed the app and there is probably um, a likelier or higher likelihood that they come back and use it. Yeah. But now, when you add what you just said, those mm -hmm. options that you can actually add yeah. to the home screen yeah. or you know do a kind of app right. experience from a mobile web, mm -hmm. this makes this very attractive, obviously, for e-commerce yeah. as well. Right? Yeah, because it's going to be yeah. almost the same experience. Yeah, You want to, you want to uh, encourage the user to, to add your web app to, to the home. So basically you can achieve the same result with the tens of the costs because you, you yeah. basically just get them to add that to the home screen. Yeah. The experience is similar. And um, yeah, that's maybe one point. So obviously native apps are still um, more, have better performance, can access more hardware, 
but um, this is kind of like where it comes to like, do we need that in e-commerce? And exactly. if so, for what do we need it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I remember back when we, when we were a couch, we, we talked to a lot of customers and, and we had a lot of chat about this. And back in this time already, like the two, three years ago, we, we like told the people that, you, you know, you, you can use a web app for, for the stuff because even at this time back, it was like for a brand, it, it just makes sense to have a native app if you have really special applications, right? Because we solved a lot of the stuff that we have in progressive web apps back then already, kind of, right? So offline capabilities, adding to home screen, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and I, I see that, I, I personally think that we um, nowadays, we still have a little bit of a misconception about native apps, right? Because it was for years, it was like um, the, the web on mobile was kind of crappy, yeah, so you didn't have uh, nice optimized sites, so the load was, you know, flaky and everything. So it was not really a nice user experience. And this is why native apps, you know, had this kind of superior thingy about them. But nowadays, I think um, if you really have a progressive web app, it's, it doesn't really matter for the user experience. Because if you do it right, um, the user just, you know, you get this app once, he installs it, right? And I mean, if you have Chrome on your iOS device, you can still use it there. And if you have installed it on the home screen, <clears throat> it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm, I guess people don't realize because there are not no. many good examples, right? So that's maybe the other hand, right? So, so I didn't like, personally, I didn't, ex you know, when I browse the web, I didn't experience like one really great progressive web app in e-commerce context where I said, oh, wow, now I'm surprised. It's yeah. like almost like native. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's yeah. also because it's hard. Like, it's, yeah. it's not like, it's like easy to build. I think there, there are so many things that come into play and so, so many things you need to consider and to, to get them right. And you need to test a lot, especially when it comes to performance, which is what you want. Hmm. You need mm -hmm. to do a lot of measuring. You need to make sure that your code executes fast. You want to make sure that, um, for example, when the user uh, comes to your website, that um, the page is rendered as quickly as possible with only the information that is really needed right now and then the rest is loaded after that. And so there's this thing called critical rendering path where you make sure that um, you have your CSS that you know, styles your web application and the critical rendering path is this thing that where you, um, you provide a minimum of styles with your HTML already that is sent to the browser um, so that the user can actually see something that, that looks like the thing you want to use and then once the full page is loaded you get the rest and that's pro kind of what you get when you for example go to Facebook or or when you use Slack. Slack kind of uses that as well. Mm -hmm. When you uh, load a page and then you already see these um, like gray boxes and, and <laughs> lines that kind of implicate okay there there's going to be a post <laughs> going to be rendered right yeah, yeah. so you already see something you already get feedback it feels like something mm. is loaded even though nothing is there yet yeah right? mm -hmm. so that, that's like something like that so and it's it's not super easy to do like you need to really need to do a lot of me measuring and, and and so so yeah that's probably why there are not so many uh, web apps out there yet that can actually do it Okay. Yeah, and I guess I guess the thing here is also you have to you have to think about investment cycles, right? I mean, we are uh, if you look at the shopping sites. So Pascal was in my uh, in my experience, he was a bit too positive about the mobile web by now, 
because still today you can find a lot of especially e-commerce sites that are not really optimized, right? That haven't even a, a nice responsive web design stuff implemented or, or well, maybe nice that's a good point. Pages. Maybe we can we can so, quickly explain that, Kai. Like responsive. So you also mentioned it, Pascal. Yeah, and I think there is a lot of uh, <laughs> like knowledge. Um, like people think they understand what responsive means when people oh, yeah. say responsive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, maybe you can quickly explain yeah. that a little so, bit. Yeah. So res responsive web design uh, is actually a, a, a concept that, that comes from a very different time and is misused a lot, which is quite interesting because the responsive web design approach comes from the time where people found out that monitor sizes are quite different, right? So they wanted to have a mechanism built in which handles like a different monitor resolutions. And this is actually where it comes from and where the idea is. So you can actually define several display sizes, kind of, and then within this code say what, what, what you should do with the layout, kind of. So this is a very simple explanation. But what happened then is that people found out, oh, we have a new monitor size and this is our smartphone and we use it for this as well. So, and it was heavily used uh, within the sphere and um, actually if you, if you go out and, and look around in responsive web design sites, there, there's some nice examples out there, but this is also incredibly hard to do right. Because by now you have like, um, there are some graphics on the web, you, you should look out for um, variety of display sizes kind of in Google. This is very interesting because by now you have like, I, I don't know, a, a couple of hundred display sizes in wow. difference, right? If you, if you have the history of phones here. And, and the problem is that you, it, it's not enough to, today to have like, I have uh, a display size, a dis desktop size, right? And then I make a mobile size. This is where people started. But then Steve Jobs brought the tablet to life. Damn it. So now we had a <laughs> tablet size. And then people started to have like retina displays. And so damn it, now we have tablet retina. And now we have phone retina. And now we have the iPhone 5, 6, 7, and so on. So if you really want to do it great, uh, it's, it's incredibly hard to do, right? Um, and this is the reason why people still today, um, uh, yeah, you know, just in the cycle of maybe just launching these sites or just having them available now. Yeah. So, so it means like it's an optimization for yeah. screen resolution and not for and not devices. For, right, not for devices. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's also the point I, I, I wanted to make because when you still, when you touch or click on a link on a responsive web design on the typical e-commerce systems you find now or with your template engine, that is not a responsive web app, right? So because mm, yeah. this is the classical way of you click on a link, a uh, request is made against the server, the server sends the template back, then it's yeah. rendered, and then you have this bad mobile experience. But people think by having responsive, they kind of solved mobile, no. which is really not the case because the experience is not great. And it's such a big difference when they compare it to native apps now. So a responsive web design on mobile from an e-commerce shop compared to a native app is, you know, it's huge, the difference. Yeah. Uh, loading time is like almost 10 seconds on average, I think, for those responsive web designs. And yeah, uh, this is where really like uh, people should start thinking about, okay, is then the, the answer the native app? Or, for example, a progressive web app, which um, then is much faster. Mm -hmm. But, and here comes the confusion, by itself can also be responsive, Pascal, right? Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> responsiveness is yeah, really yeah. like kind of yeah. an, like a very blurry term because yeah. it really depends on which context you use it. Like if, when you talk about um, UI design and layout, like how does my web application respond to this particular viewport size, yeah. right? Then you speak about... Uh, responsiveness in terms of viewport size, but yeah. then there's also responsiveness in terms of 
how does the application or my web app respond to the user interactions? Like when I click this button, how fast does it, you know, do this or that? Or when I swipe here, like how fast is the is the transition or the animation going? Like this is this is also responsiveness, but it really is mm. it is a different context. And all mm. this comes into play and has to be fast and snappy. Yeah. 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 But fast and snappy is, is a nice word. And I just want to point this out because when we when we think uh, of where we are on, on mobile pages right now, right? So we have a couple of um, you know guys who have native apps out there, uh, retailers. We have uh, and merchants in general. We have uh, responsive web design sites. We have mobile templates. Um, and as Alex pointed out, that doesn't really solve mobile by itself. Um, only native kind of. Um, but the thing I really love with responsive uh, with, uh, with progressive web apps. Sorry is actually the focus on load time again, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you uh, search for examples on, on, on responsive web design sites, for example, you will find out that the initial page load, for example, takes time if you do not some uh, monster caching magic. Um, and and, and uh, the data volume you have in typical responsive web design sites is, is really big, kind of. So this is not really mobile thing. And, and I really love that idea when you, when you look out uh, in the Google guidelines <clears throat> and this checklist about uh, progressive web apps, you, you really see this, you know, 300 milliseconds and, and this time to interact and this mm. short, etc. There's a nice tool out there. It's called Lighthouse. It's a Chrome plugin, actually. And you can just, you know, push in every site, <laughs> and preferably progressive web app sites. Um, and you can just run a report and he's checking for all this and he's comparing this to the, the guidelines and gives you a score on it, which is really interesting um, and fun okay. just to see. And I really love this focus on load time and, and having the stuff fast on your, uh, on your phone and, and, and um, having a really short time to interact because that was kind of, you know, we have to solve the mobile problem somehow and that was got somewhere in the background kind of. Mm -hmm. due to the technical reasons. The one point we didn't talk about yet is, um, and especially this is a pain <laughs> usually on mobile web, is checkout, right, on e-commerce. <laughs> so like when, you, when it comes to checkout, you typically have to fill out like 20, um, I don't know, fields in a form, and it's, you know, it's just you don't enjoy it and people just get tired of it. And um, there's something called Web Payments API, Pascal, right, that yeah. is also um, being introduced. So w what is that? Well, so the, the, the Web Payments API is now an official um, like standard, a, a, a official, um, an official specification about how payment um, can be implemented in the browser. And so um, basically what happens is um, you end up with not just building usually this rather big form <laughs> where the user has to enter all the you know, payment data, um, depend, and it also depends on what payment you want to support. Um, so instead of doing that, um, you, you have this API that, that kind of takes care of that. So, so it's like a, um, you could kind of see it as Android Pay or Apple Pay for the web. It's, it's, um, it makes the checkout um, kind of like a one-click experience if, if you, if you want to see it like that. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's uh, Shopify supports it as far as I know, so you can try it out on Shopify. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but but with the payment, so basically the payment credentials are yeah are made available so that with one tap you can check out if it's your device and if it's your browser you've used before as far as I understand it, right? So it's a convenient way 
and similar to the experience you would have with Apple Pay or Android Pay in a native environment, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's 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 really cool, especially because it um, it saves your it saves your payment credentials so um, in, in a safe way. So when you the next time you want to um, perform a checkout somewhere uh, and, and you click pay, then what you get is basically a kind of dialogue that displays all the the you know um, possible uh, like payment credentials. Like I don't know if you have for example a uh, like like a, a like a credit card and another credit card, um, then you get these options and you can just pick from there mm -hmm. instead of um, yeah entering all the data again and again and again. Okay, so this is kind of an approach which um, which would also solve the kind of checkout experience on on the web then yeah. moving forward. Um, I think they also made that available as a credentials API, so which is maybe also interesting. So because um, this is more for yeah user authentication and coming back. So because obviously we know if you want to have, especially in e-commerce, you would like to have a user experience which is um, kind of aligned across channels. So maybe a shopping cart or your wish list or other things. So you want to synchronize just accounts across channels. Yeah. So maybe your progressive web app and then your standard web browser experience, or maybe you also have a native app. So with the credentials API, as far as I understand, this is also a way to log in easily and uh, recognize people when they come back without, again, um, forcing them to type and uh, to do anything like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it even, it even solves... Um, uh, like the the way the user can like um, select uh, and choose uh, shipping addresses when you when mm -hmm. you buy something, which mm -hmm. is like typically what you do, right? And especially yeah. like in e-commerce applications, mm -hmm. like you, you go somewhere, you, you click on a product, you want to buy it, and then you can choose from available shipping addresses, or or the the API um, allows you to tell the user, hey, this particular shipping address is actually not supported by us for whatever reason right because you don't ship to india or whatever right um, so you can do all that and then you get this nice integrated ui um which is pretty pretty cool cool yeah there was um uh, one more thing i just wanted us to mention at the end because obviously we made a strong case for progressive web apps um, because you don't have to go through app stores it's easy to access um, but we also see that, and this is what I like about Google, on the other hand, they also push um, their native apps to become uh, yeah, more easily accessible f with app streaming, or they call it instant apps. Uh, so they started experimenting with that um, last summer at I.O. I think, Pascal, you, you even witnessed the, um, the talk, right? So when they, when they introduced that. I'm not super sure about that. I think yeah. you, I mean you told me about mm -hmm. this, and I actually I think that was the first time I heard about it. But at um, uh, right, and then like last year at Google I/O, there was this session on uh, yeah instant apps or something, which is kind of it, it feels like um, it's funny. Like from from a web developer point of view, you can see how the web evolves and how it gets more into this. Um, native direction like the web <laughs> becomes more native yeah. mm -hmm. and you know try tries to fill the gaps there whereas native applications or or google or whatever the platforms um, they try to fill gaps as well to become more like the web more yeah. accessible yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's like and then you yeah. also have these things like um i don't know android web uh, android app links or something so you can also get like this sort of link deep linking yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah right so mm -hmm. it's really interesting like they you have these two two sides that that try to solve the same problem at some point um and they they come closer and closer by by implementing like features and, and apis that that solve 
solves the problems that, that you have in that particular environment. Um, it's it's very interesting. Like they they both both come come closer and closer. I already yeah. see us having another uh, podcast where we go into the instant apps and app streaming <laughs> ones. This right. is a little bit more developed because this is also obviously really interesting. What does it mean for my existing app? Yeah. Do I need to rewrite it? Uh, what happens when I click on a link on, on Google and and those kind of things? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, given that we already talked for quite some time, so one one other thing for people, and I think Kai, you dived into that a little bit more deeply like how to develop progressive web apps. And I've seen that um, on Udacity, basically there is, um, there is a nano degree program available now, so, which is maybe interesting <laughs> for some of our listeners. So it's, um, yeah, it's called Build Progressive Web Apps uh, within the Senior Web Developer nano degree. And um, I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know, Pascal, you probably either haven't looked into it, but it might be a nice starting point for, yeah. uh, for getting some education around that. Yeah, Udacity usually has very good courses. So yeah. you, you want to check that out if you're into that. Yeah, so so I, I would actually go to this uh, to this tutorial I, I talked about on, yeah. on Google Developer, which is really quite good to, and gives you a nice overview of, of how you can convert um, a, a or how you can build a very simple uh, progressive web app, right? But which has all the mechanics in place uh, which we talked about, um, and from that on, <clears throat> as Pascal, Pascal pointed out, I mean you can you can get incredibly complex, right? <laughs> and uh, it can be a much effort to implement this, but I mean, anyhow, if, if you if you today dive into um, into developing web apps, it doesn't matter if progressive or not. I mean, it's complex topic by That's now, true. right? You're, uh, we are we are far away from HTML 1.0 <laughs> standards, right? Um, and it's a, it's anyway a complex topic. Um, yeah, there, there I, th I would say there are different options you have to start, right? Yeah, so sure. usually, like you, you can start from ground up, which is obviously a big decision. <laughs> yeah. if you have to throw everything away and then start from scratch. But what I like is that you could also, and there were some examples also in the talks um, at that summit last year about progressive web apps, where you have just a simple version, yeah. um, where you validate and test, or even focus on a single feature. And yeah. this is maybe something to start with. Yeah. Um, there was this nice example from Air Berlin where they basically just um, focused on one section uh, and that was basically your ticket and QR code um, that you, that's made available. Mm -hmm. And they were sending that link out and once you had um, used that or opened that, on your smartphone in the browser, um, you were able to access it again, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, even if you had no internet connection, which is obviously a great advantage if you are at an airport and just quickly need your QR code. Yeah, so you exactly. didn't have to download a native app just to be able to show or display a ticket. And um, that, that was a good use case I found for, uh, for a single feature which you can realize uh, yeah, as part of a progressive web app. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, have, you don't have to throw everything away and, and start from ground up. I mean, you can do a few, if you anyway want to do that. But uh, obviously, you, you can start really small. But this is actually what, what all the, these, these tutorials, et cetera, show you, that you can actually access little features and, and, and you, you get a very good understanding of it uh, when you go through the code. Uh, because you just see, because it, it, it develops uh, the whole progressive web app thingy step by step, uh, but in, in, in the steps between you see, okay, you could stop there and actually use the website this, the way it is, but now it has like a nice caching and, and now it has like this uh, fetching of, of, the, of the network interactions and if no network is there, I get it from cache, etc. So you develop it step by step and you see ac actually how the mechanics work behind this. And I just want to point out, um, and, and we, we again link this stuff, uh, there's a nice site, it's called uh, pwa.rocks. 
uh, where you have some examples, not all. Um, and um, just to give you an idea, so I mean, Flipkart is there, um, and we had AliExpress as well. And one also big known site is the Financial Times, right? And under app.ft.com, you can access the Financial Times site, which mm -hmm. is a huge site. And uh, they are also a, um, on progressive web app technology by now. So, um, yeah. So what do you guys think will the future bring? So maybe Alex first. What, what do you think? <laughs> you mean now for progressive web apps? Yeah. Um, so... Well, we know that kind of history repeats, right? So if you compare that to the desktop, I would say it's clear that um, there we also had a lot of native applications to start with. And we had very limited internet connection speed and unreliable one uh, to begin with. Then we had all the applications locally. And now, um, yeah, most of my day I spent in the browser on the web. So, and uh, I think I would foresee this also being kind of a main driver for mobile in the future. Um, from the from the user experience point of view, I think users just don't care. <laughs> they are happy if the web uh, if the app store disappears. Nobody needs that or updates, or nobody wants to care about that, right? So <laughs> if this happens by optimizing the way you receive native apps or or um, or web apps, um, I think the user doesn't care. But mm -hmm. we really need to find a way to make the app store and all those processes disappear. Yeah. Okay. So Pascal. Well, I, I just I can just say I just hope that um, all the newer APIs that that make these things possible that the web applications can be more feel more native. I just hope that they become more stable in the future and that they're supported by more browsers and environments in the future, so that um, yeah, it becomes it becomes more like the standard way of doing things instead of uh, a nice to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, that, that's also my 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 hope that uh, yeah, Safari opens up, which would then make a major leap forward. Um, because actually, what you said, the user the user doesn't care, right? So if you have a shitty native app, it doesn't help anyway. Um, but this is this is one way to have a very nice uh, user experience available in a very easy way, um, and and which solves actually a lot of problems we see. So. Yeah, actually, I hope the browsers open up and we see a lot of this stuff. And I hope in, in kind of one or two years, we make a nice review on the session and can say something like, yeah, we told you so or something. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, time is up for today. Um, thank you very much for being with us, Pascal. Yeah, thank you, Pascal. <laughs> Thanks for your insights. Thanks for having me. And um, again, I can just point out, guys, um, visit our website this week on ecommerce.com or uh, follow us on Twitter. The handle is The Ecom Week. Um, or just sign up to our newsletter to do not miss out the next episodes. And with this, I say goodbye and uh, hear you next time. Bye-bye. 